I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi, this is Nadine Dietz, host of CMO Moves. I just wanted to take a quick moment to say thanks so much for stopping by today and to give you a quick overview on what to expect. CMO Moves is all about game-changing leaders, their incredible journeys, the moves that they've made, and most importantly, their personal stories of how they got to be the leaders of some of the world's most exciting brands. I hope you'll enjoy their stories as much as I do and take away a few tips and some inspiration for your day. Enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to CMO Moves. Today I have two very special guests with me who I'll be passing over the microphone to so that they can interview each other. I have Mark Pritchard, who is the Chief Brand Officer of Procter & Gamble, and Antonio Lucio, the Chief Marketing Officer of Facebook. I couldn't be more excited to see where they're going to go today, but before we get rolling, as I'm sitting here with Mr. Antonio Lucio in the Facebook studios, Antonio, hi, and welcome back to CMO Moves. Great to be here. Thank you. Thank you for having me back. Yeah, of course. Uh, I would, I'm delighted to have you back. You were actually my number three release podcast last year when CMO Moves just got started. You were the CMO of HP at the time. That's right. And now a lot has changed, and you are now the CMO of Facebook. How long has it been now, Facebook? It will be a year next month. A September year. 4th will be my faceversary, as we call it here at Facebook. Your faceversary, <laughs> September 4th. Oh, my gosh, that's so exciting. Well, I am sure our other guest, Mr. Mark Pritchard, is going to have a lot to ask you about how it's been going. So, Mark, hi, and welcome to CMO Moves. Hi, Nadine, and it's a pleasure to be here. It is a pleasure to have you with me as well. And so this is not actually about me today. I'm very excited. I'm just going to pass the mic over to you two lovely gentlemen and let you have at it. And I'm going to be a, a, a bystander over here. I'm going to sit in the audience and uh, hang out. <laughs> All right. Audience of one. And, uh, the, well, yes, an audience of one. But when we turn this on later, there'll be a lot larger audience. So uh, with that, Mark, are you ready to take on Antonio in the first question? I'm ready to engage with my brother, Antonio. Um, <laughs> All right. <laughs> so thank you. And uh, how you doing, Antonio? I'm doing great, Mark. It's nice to do this with you. You are mi hermano latino, Marco. So uh, it's great that we're going to do this together. Exactly. Buenos dias, mi amigo. <laughs> we were together in Cannes, and then we were just recently, you were here at P&G at our Signal conference. So it was great. So uh, I was. really enjoyed it. That was awesome. You did, you did a fantastic job. So, so how are things going over there at Facebook now that you're coming up on your one-year anniversary? 
Uh, things are uh, e exciting, challenging, frustrating, and exhilarating, depending on the day. It's been a, a very interesting journey for me, as uh, as you know, we're we're both from the same generation. So when you're in a situation where you are actually learning, that your learning curve is steep, and you have to uh, focus, making sure that you learn quickly your business, your brands. Uh, the culture and getting to know the people intimately, it takes time and effort to do so. So far, my my job has been to do two things: try to rebuild trust on on Facebook and its its family of apps by being more proactive about the communication of what we do and the things that we're fundamentally changing in the company, and then also focusing on adding value to each and every one of the apps, Facebook, Messenger, WhatsApp, and Instagram to ensure that they have the right level of engagement with our with our customer base. So it's been a, an amazing and an interesting journey that is just beginning because the, the task of rebuilding trust and rebuilding value is going to take a, a lot of time and a lot of actions as opposed to words. What about you, Mark? You've also had a very interesting year. Well, we have. We've had uh, an interesting decade, as a matter of fact. And in the last year, I think a lot of things came together pretty nicely in our last fiscal year, which we just announced. So we're feeling pretty good while still knowing that we still have plenty to do. It's interesting because I was thinking about when Mark and Cheryl and team came out here several years ago, and we were comparing the two companies of you know one young, one old. And the more I think about that, it's really an artificial distinction in today's world because we're constantly being disrupted in uh, both of our industries and uh, and the way we're operating. So that's the way we're looking at things now is how do we keep disrupting ourselves? So um, we're uh, reinventing advertising, we're reinventing media, we're reinventing how we work with agencies, and we're reinventing what it's like to be a brand that's a force for good and a force for growth and uh, and completely transforming our brand builders so we can operate in the future. And it's really an exciting time. Isn't it amazing that whether you're in a company like PNG or a company like Facebook, at the end of the day, what marketing needs to do is, a, is exactly the same thing, driving growth and building brands that stand the test of time. And that is that is driven by constant innovation and constant re reinvention. Innovation, not just on the product side, which you guys have done an amazing job, particularly during the last 24 months, but also on the business model side, the way that we're working with agencies, the role of advertising, the balance between brand building and performance marketing, the need for an entire ecosystem of agencies and channels and thinkers to actually help us reinvent the function. I, I don't know about you, but I cannot think of a more exciting times and a more important times to being a marketer than, than right now. I, I completely agree with that. I have never seen such an exponential change occurring literally every day. But the transformation that's occurring is just remarkable. Thinking back on when you could create a, an advertising campaign, put it on TV, reach 90% of the people four times a month um, on basically three channels. And uh, then you just go out to the retailers and stack your products high and, and let it fly. I mean, it couldn't be more different today. You know, my job as a chief brand officer is focused on ensuring that we're doing everything we can to make sure that we have the absolute best products, best packaging, best communication, best retail execution, and best value. We call it irresistibly superiority on all of those elements. But then also inventing tomorrow by reinventing how we go to market, our media, our advertising, and how we engage with consumers. 
So you were at HP, you've been at other CPG companies, but what is it like at uh, as a CMO at Facebook? It's rather interesting, Mark, because Facebook, uh, as great of a business-to-business marketing engine as has been, you know, our ability to sell our platforms to advertisers like yourselves, the world of direct-to-consumer marketing is completely new to the company. It is something that perhaps um, in speaking with our management here, uh, the company should have started five to 10 years ago, like some of the other platforms did. We did not. And in the process, as things became significantly more challenging, we allowed others to tell our story for us, sometimes because we didn't act on time, sometimes because we didn't act at all. And sometimes because we did not tell the right story, we got into a situation where someone else was interpreting our actions, our thoughts, and even the intention of what was happening at Facebook. So in conversations with our management here, it became clearly important for us to, number one, address the fundamental issues that we're addressing along, you know, election interference and privacy and data management and misinformation, uh, which we're working hard on. But also equally important is to have proactive communication direct with our consumers where we are telling the story of the changes that we're making and also telling the stories of the value that each and every one of our apps have in people's lives. That is new for Facebook. So part of my job has been to show everyone understands the what and the why. In my case is to show the how. Uh, how is it done? How long is it going to take? How, how will we measure that level of performance over time? What is the right ecosystem of partnerships in, in order to get that done? And the importance of what you and I learned as, as 4P marketing that now people are, are, are calling the four E's, which is the integration of everything that you do with product with the overall experience. So a lot of my time is on, on learning the business, having a consumer point of view in every one of the discussions, ensuring that we are focusing on creating holistic experiences and then showing how direct-to-consumer marketing can help us on both the trust and the value equation. That's so interesting because, you know, just thinking about that, how your Facebook is a B2B business, you know, in our relationship, you're a media provider and a platform. But you're also a B2C in that you have a product that you engage directly with consumers or with users. And so you're right, you have a a unique distinction of needing to ensure that you have both trust and equity and a superior offering to consumers or users. And I hadn't even thought about it, Antonio, until you until you described it, is that now you're you're really having to reach out and engage with consumers on the B2C part of it to build that brand. And um, before, it just kind of happened, I guess, <laughs> to some extent. That's right. And, and again, the, the more that we move forward, the more that has become increasingly evident that the work that you and I do is, is basically stakeholder management. Because anything that we do, if we want a company that is anchored on purpose, that serves shareholders as well as as society in general, you need to address multiple targets, starting with your employees, in our case, our users, 
our clients, which is advertisers like yourselves. You also need the, the policymakers, the, the journalists, and then finally, in our particular case, developers on our platforms. And as we move forward, you need complete alignment and architecture to address each one of those targets holistically in an integrated way so that so that we delivered a, a, a cohesive brand experience as opposed to the fragmentation and cacophony that is the danger of not doing it holistically. Yeah, well, you know, and we've got a long relationship with Facebook from over 10 years ago and the evolution that has occurred. What we now see is our brands, if they are advertising on Facebook, we're judged by the company we keep. That's why your focus on trust and transparency makes such a big difference. What I appreciate is the fact that that you work with us. In fact, I just spoke with Carolyn Everson today again about the next round of work that you're all going to be doing in order to be able to build that trust and equity. But as a, as a brand, let me ask you a question about one area of the branding that you and I are both super passionate about because I think this this pervades all of the work that we do. Let's talk about diversity because we're both really, really passionate about things like uh, hashtag see her and free the bid, free the work and other activities. Why are you so into that? And and how is it playing out at Facebook? Yeah, so uh, Mark, you and I share the passion. Uh, we, we fundamentally believe that our businesses are driving, as we just said, by innovation and constant reinvention. And the research is clear in terms of diverse teams do perform better when it comes uh, to innovation and when it comes to solving complex tasks. So it is critically important that we work on two areas simultaneously. Number one, representation, because without representation, the, the conversation about inclusion becomes meaningless and inclusion so that the people that are coming in to our, our workforce are heard and can have the impact that we all want them to have in our business. Like you, I believe that this will be driven by holistic and systemic change, which means clients have to change, agencies needs to change, uh, production houses needs to change, and then at the end, you have to be able to measure performance and demonstrate that all this work actually matters and that it drives the top line that we all care for. So uh, setting the right level of objective, setting the right level of top-down oversight, uh, because it starts from the top, be able to have articulated and crisp, concrete plans and be able to report progress is what, what it's going to take. So whether it was uh, the initiatives that we started at HP, the initiative that we have now at Facebook, our partnership with you in Free the Work, I think that we need to continue uh, with the focus on both the um, inclusion side of the house, which a lot of people like to talk about today, but uh, inclusion without representation is not going to move the needle over time because the numbers, frankly, are not improving uh, fast enough. So that, that's what we're doing, and we're committed. What about you guys? Yeah, we look at things very similar to the way you do, and not surprising, since you and I have been working on this for quite some time. There's a couple of things we do, or three things probably. One is... We want to make sure we have an accurate and realistic portrayal of all people in our advertising and the media on which we run. So that's whether it be gender, race, ethnicity, ability, religion, gender or sexual identity, and age. The other thing we want to do is periodically take a stand because nine out of 10 people feel better about a brand if they take some kind of a stand 
on equality or other aspects of society. And so that's why we take a stand on things like like a girl uh, always, change destiny on SK2, uh, fearless to face anything on Olay and share the load on Ariel. And in order to be able to do that well, we have to have representation at every aspect of the supply chain. So on our brand groups, with our agencies and behind the camera. And we feel good about gender. We're 50-50 in gender. We're about three promotions away from being 50-50 at every level within our company, um, in our brand organization. We're about 48% with our agencies. And the problem is that behind the camera, we need work, which is why we're so passionate about Free the Work because we're less than a quarter of our commercials and content are being directed by women. And so we're doing a full court press on that because it makes such a difference when you have someone behind the camera that reflects who you're seeing it. Now that's gender. The, the next frontier is really going after race and ethnicity, which the entire industry needs work on that front. And so that's one of the areas that we're really pushing on. And it's why we're passionate about the Alliance for Inclusive Multicultural Marketing and their work on See All, um, which is essentially the, think about it as a companion to um, hashtag see her on gender. We're going to keep going and keep driving things like see her, see all, and free the work. Great initiatives. Uh, we share the passion. We share the level of commitment. We're also very excited about uh, next week and at color where uh, you and I, uh, again, are going to be part of a panel to ensure that our messages and our commitment to diversity and people of color in particular is strong. We have the same situation. We, we feel very strongly in terms of my marketing team, people at all levels of my organization, as well as, as our agencies on, on the female representation and inclusion side of the house, people of color and ethnicity, our next frontier as well is the focus of this year's efforts. And uh, I'm looking forward to sharing experiences with you and, and with the broader industry, because I, I think it's really important that we don't leave uh, anyone behind. I, I have to say that one, one of the things that uh, Cindy Gallup likes to talk about uh, a lot lately is about ageism and the need of cross-generational interactions. And uh, I'm having that experience right now at Facebook. Uh, my boss is 35 years old, so it's my daughter's age. And I'm surrounded 360 degrees around by people of multiple age groups. And I have to say that the level of dynamism and the level of intellectual stimulation that a situation uh, like that creates is just incredible. And it will translate into, into significantly more innovation. So that, that is one area that I personally am uh, experiencing right now. And I'm, uh, I'm becoming a convert. This cross-generational environment I think have the opportunity of creating biz business growth for all of us in the industry. Yeah, I mean, it speaks to the the power of diversity on every front. That's right. You know, what, and I think you know it'd be, it'd be good for us as we're or at Ad Color to speak about the the race and ethnicity challenges and be very honest about what those challenges are and what we need to do to be able to to lift things up and move and make more progress. And as you know, last year at Ad Color for the first time divulged that I was half Mexican and lived with the privilege of being viewed as Caucasian for many years, but did that so we could have frank conversations about race and ethnicity and the challenges. And, and I think we should do that. And by the way, and I think you're absolutely correct about age as well. 
um, you know, there's been there's been a great deal of of passion uh, about millennials and Gen Z, and I think that I see the same thing that you do is when it's cross generational and you you mix the generations, the amount of of brain power and ideas and enthusiasm and innovation and creativity is just remarkable. Uh, I was in China last week, which is also an incredibly young organization, but the openness to exchange different views was just powerful and palpable. And I, I, if there's one thing I hope we can do a, as leaders in this industry is, is to really drive this power of diversity and inclusion. And I think it'll be it'll be great for the industry. No, I, I, absolutely. By the way, your speech in Ad Color was uh, amazing. Uh, we all remember it. And I have to say, you, you may have been hiding it, but we all knew that your good looks had to come from somewhere. <laughs> 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 and then it, all, then it all just fell in place, right? Just, Everything oh, fell in place. It's the soap opera look. Uh, anyway, it's fantastic. Uh, the, Mark, I want to I want to take this to a, a different place, but it's a place that you and I also share a lot of passion with, which is the relevance of the marketing function in general. Spencer Stewart just published this article that it, it just honestly it just broke my heart. Uh, the movement around the CMO chair this last year was just incredible. It's not expected to change. Uh, there are many companies that have decided to pretty much eliminate the title of CMO or, or chief brand officer altogether. And I, and I have to say, uh, because y you and I share a history that I am concerned about the new generations. And I believe that part of the problem is that we are getting very di distracted with uh, shiny objects and uh, with internal industry conversations, technology, so on and so forth. And, and we're kind of forgetting that the essence of marketing is drive fundamental business growth that we need to be business leaders as much as marketing artisans, that we need to have a very strong uh, customer-driven point of view within the business uh, ecosystem, and that we need to create perhaps a better balance between all, all the opportunities that technology is bringing to us uh, without forgetting that the essence of brand building is building strong emotional connections with our users, and that is transcending from the numbers and moving into more uncomfortable territories. I have to say, as, as optimistic as I am about the job that we can do, I am also concerned about this issue within the industry. What, what are your thoughts on it? Yeah, I've, you know, and, and over the years I've seen these kinds of discussions occur and, you know, particularly on the tenure of CMOs and that kind of thing. And I guess the way I view it is, is one of the reasons why um, we, we named this role the chief brand officer was to actually, it was about building brands, which are the essence of this company. P&G is a company of brands. So therefore, we focus on brands and the chief brand officer's job is to help enable, serve and support the business units to build those brands. And You know, the way that we view this job and that my team is we view our jobs is to help the, the businesses win today by building their brands and very fundamentally focusing on the, we call them the immutable laws of brand building. Why do brands grow? They grow when they grow users. Who is your target consumer? What does your brand stand for? And how do you bring that to life at the zero first and second moments of truth through Superior products, superior packaging, superior brand communication, superior retail execution, superior 
value. Those are the immutable laws of business. But what you need to do is constantly change the how you do that. And then that's the next job we have, which is to invent tomorrow, figuring out where are things going. So all the shiny objects that are coming down, what our job is to identify and look look around the corners and over the horizon and say, what's coming that is going to change how we're going to build our brands? And this makes sure that we can enable that to ensure that it happens. Then this, this role and the role of brand building or marketing, whatever you want to call it in general, becomes absolutely essential. And, and so I think, if nothing else, what, what we ought to be doing is, is just kind of reminding people of you know, what it is all about, which is the kind of things that I just described. It is fundamentally about growth. It is fundamentally about building your brands and doing it in a way that will win today and invent tomorrow. And I think this will all moderate itself over time. How about you? But tell me more about your, what are you doing in your shop on that front? I agree with you 100%. The way that I described my role internally and is uh, we're here to build brands that stand the test of time. Uh, and it's a new concept for a company that it's only 15 years old, but the principles are fundamentally the same. Brands that stand the test of time are brands that deliver consistent growth over time. And as much as we want to change the how, like you say, and I fundamentally agree with that, uh, the what and the why are the same. Those brands that have been able to stand for a very long time from Ivory, in your particular case, or Visa or HP, and some of the brands at, at PepsiCo as well, they, they, they have the same things going for them. They're firmly anchored in purpose. They solved a fundamental problems in people's lives. They're, they're built on very strong emotional connection. They behave with integrity and, and they're constantly reinventing themselves to deliver that purpose. That's what we're trying to build here at Facebook with Facebook and with Instagram and with WhatsApp and with messengers and more broadly with our hardware. It is a, a, a new discipline in, in that way. We're building it from scratch. But what I think that people like you and I need to do consistently is reminding the new generations of CMOs that this is what we're here to do, that it's not a quarterly target or a monthly target or or even an annual target. Your success as a CMO can only be seen over time by building uh, brands that stand the test of times and, and showcasing what that means for the top and the and the bottom line. Exactly. And recognizing the difference between um, something that is completely new versus those laws of brand building that don't change, <laughs> like the who, the what, and the how, and the, and the why. So I, I think about that. More than a decade ago, when my team came out to Facebook, when there were 100 million users, you know, we said, this is going to be something. So we need to think about this. You know, look at it now. And now it, that's morphed because we first started building fan pages and getting fans on our on our pages that that wasn't enough then we built an advertising model with you all then you all brought instagram now we're using facebook more effectively for performance marketing and it's becoming a very very quality tool on that front and thinking about instagram in terms of how we connect with influencers you know i remember going out and seeing vr with oculus and now thinking okay well that's coming you know, all of these are, are the, the kinds of things that a CMO job can be and a marketing job can be is, is figuring out how do I apply what I've got today and then what's going to come next that's going to enable our brand to be able to engage with consumers. Th- therefore, then it makes this whole discussion about the function 
and, and the function losing relevance as an irrelevant discussion. I agree with you uh, wholeheartedly. The nuance on the argument, though, is that, that I think the functions have been uh, too focused, particularly over the last five years on so, on the new stuff. Uh, and they've forgotten some of the essence of brand building. Even, uh, Mark, even within the concept of Cannes for the first time, you know that McKenzie and all those uh, consulting companies do traditional you know, regression analysis. The brands that win Cannes are normally the brands that have been building their business over an extended period of time. That was not the case this year. And when you take a look at the stuff that was awarded, it's a lot of tactical stuff, a lot of promotional stuff, a lot of performance-driven stuff, which is important, no question that it has a role, but all this has to be done uh, uh, or predicated within the fundamental long-term principles of brand buildings, or we're not going to build those brands that stand the test of time. So that the whole notion of balance, short-term versus long-term, is something that we need to re-anchored as one of the fundamental principles of the marketing function. Yeah, you know, and, and even as you say that, it, it, a few years ago, we made a decision to reinforce that point at CAN to where we only enter creative work that we think also builds the business. It's got to be creative and effective. That's right. And that, that way you're then demonstrating it. You may not win as many lions at some point, but okay, as long as you're growing, that's ultimately the most fundamental and most foundational aspect of our jobs are all about is our businesses growing and, and creating value. Um, so, yeah, go ahead. Excellent. So uh, they're giving me the two minute, uh, the, the, two two minute. minute the two minute signal here. Switching uh, a little bit. If you were not the chief brand officer of uh, PNG, what, what would you be? Oh my gosh. That's one of those questions that I never know how to answer. I don't know. I mean, you know, what What would I love to be? I, I play basketball once a week. I'd love to be a basketball player, but that ain't going to happen. Um, when I went into college, I told my dad I wanted to be a journalist. And he said, yeah, that's a great idea, except you won't make any money. Go into business. So I guess maybe I'd be a, a, a journalist and maybe a basketball player. Um, uh, that would probably be it. And I probably wouldn't be making any money, too. <laughs> it, it's funny because I have I have the same problem. I mean, my father wanted me to be a, either a lawyer or a doctor or an engineer or a priest because he was deeply mm. Catholic. Uh, and I guess I was a disappointment on, on all fronts because I started working for a company called Procter & Gamble and he could not even pronounce uh, the name or n neither understand what marketing was. So I, it took me a while to embrace what marketing was going to be uh, for me to the point that it is such an integral part of who I am, of the person that, that I am, that it's very difficult for me to see me doing different things. I guess my next phase as we move from all the things that we need to accomplish together, I'll probably end up being a, a, a teacher somewhere. Those roots uh, were planted long, long, long time ago. I, I left them abandoned for a long time, and I think I will probably recapture that and try to, to pay back uh, the wonderful life that this career has provided me with. I, I have a feeling you and I will probably do something similar, that uh, it might be a teacher and probably an activist in some way. If you think about the amount of work when it comes to gender equality, racial equality, diversity, sustainability, I, I think that's one of the the benefits of having these roles. There was a, a great book by Bob Buford called Halftime, and it was basically halftime in your life. And I read it. I would recommend it to anybody because what it does is it asks you to think about as you're halfway through whatever you, you view as halfway through your life or your career, what are you going to do with the second half? 
And it was really useful for me because what it allowed me to look at is, you know, what do I love to do? What are the skills that I've been, you know, blessed to, to gain? And then how can it be applied? And that's one of the things I think is these areas that we work on in terms of being a force for good would definitely be uh, in the future, especially to carry on the kind of stuff that we've done in, in our industry today. So uh, we'll have to join forces on the Hermanos Amigos Coalition. I would love that. I think we'll have an, a, a lot of people uh, that will join that as well. I, I didn't know that you had a passion for reading. I do as well. The one thing that I do is try not to read stuff that is related to our business for the most part because I'm overwhelmed by that. So I'm actually right now in a period where I'm rereading the classics. So I'm in t very deep into Hermann Hess again. So I finished Siddhartha and Steppenwolf. And what it's helping me at this stage of my life is to actually undertake a bit more of a spiritual journey because it's an area that, frankly, I've abandoned for a while. And I think we all need to maintain uh, our grounding and to maintain our focus. And at the end of the day, it's an integral part of our personal mission as well. So perhaps uh, next time you and I get together, we should spend some time talking about that journey as well. That would be a great idea. Yes, we all need to do that. And uh, knowing that you're passionate about that makes me just admire you all the more. It's, the admiration is mutual, Mark. Thank you. Thank you very much for the time. Uh, Nadine is, is, is here giving me the signal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm going to jump in and say thank you guys so much for joining this episode of CMO Most Duos. Um, Mark, you were teasing me earlier. You said, how's it possible that I invite you to be on, on a podcast and I don't have to do any work? Well, that is exactly why I stepped out. Look at the conversation you guys just had. So, <laughs> Well, I hope it was useful for you and for the audience. So uh, thanks for having us. Absolutely. We'll see you next week in that call. Yep. Looking forward to it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you did, I would love your help in sharing CMO Moves with one of your friends or colleagues who you think might enjoy it too. And if you have time, I would really love your review or ratings on Apple or SoundCloud. So thanks again and have a great day. Hey folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.